Welcome to First Friday 5. It's the first Friday of the month, and we're watching five episodes of a TV show, and then judging it purely based on those five episodes. Today's TV show is The Office. I'm Corbin, and joining me is... Uh, my name is Cody Webb. Uh, I am also here. Just trying to switch things up a little bit today, Cody. I Get like you off guard. Like yeah. Make you do your, introduce yourself. We're going to be talking about five episodes and the way we just selected those five episodes. Are we going to talk about the first episode, the last episode, the highest rated episode on IMDb, the lowest rated episode on IMDb, and then Cody got to pick one. So we'll go over which episodes are those are for The Office in a little bit. But to just start for our very first episode, Cody, you selected The Office. So uh, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, I did. And, um, you know, technically, I guess this is the pilot episode for this series. So fun thing there. But yeah, I feel like, you know, we're going into a different genre here. Obviously, if you have seen some of our content before, we mostly cover movies, everything in the movie world. We do specific movie, movie reviews, a bunch of stuff. So if you haven't seen that. Definitely check that out. But um, since you're here, yeah, we're going to cover television, which is one of my favorite specific things. And uh, I thought for the first episode, we had to go big. Uh, we had to go The Office, probably for our generation, one of the most popular shows, I would say, at least sitcom or, or comedy-wise, I'd say it's got to be up there. And yeah, it, it's just one of my personal favorites as well. So, so something I definitely wanted to talk about, kind of just talking about my relationship with the show too a little bit. I believe the first time I watched it, I, I don't know the, the exact age, but it was from a fairly young age. Somewhere in between like the 14, 15, probably in there. I think uh, my first just, you know, like introduction to it was probably just through cable television back in the day, Comedy Central, TBS, one of those. And then eventually I actually got some of the like old timey CDs and watched a couple of the first seasons on my dad's laptop. And that's pretty much my formal, formal introduction to it. But yeah, since then, I've probably rewatched it like over 10 times, which is pretty ridiculous. In the past couple of years, I have slowed down a bit, obviously, because I was just getting sick of it. But this past year, I started rewatching it again because I knew that we were going to be doing this. I'll tell you what, I still really, really enjoy it. It's actually a lot in more interesting now that like we are in the working world too. So I feel like once you like actually go and have to do a job every single day of the year, this show kind of, you know, it has a different perspective on you when you watch it again. So I think that's super cool. But uh, we'll get to a ton more stuff. But I, I know that you have a, a lot of exposure to this show as well, Carver, right? You mentioned not having watched it very recently. And I, I feel like I haven't rewatched the show in probably three years at this point. It was freshman or sophomore year of college. And obviously the availability and access of it being on Netflix for such a really long time and then eventually leaving. And now it's on Peacock. Um, I'm sure that partially had something to do with it, but I definitely watched the office when it was on. I don't want to say that I watched it when, in, you know, in the first season, cause I was five years old and I don't think the jokes were quite, you know, working for me back then, but I remember tuning in, whether it be a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night, different nights over the course of its run from 2005 to 2013. I remember tuning in and watching it. I remember watching it and Community and 30 Rock and Parks and Rec. There was a time when all four of those shows were airing. I think there's like a one year span where all of them like overlapped on the same night. Fantastic television right there from NBC. This is obviously, I think, the best one out of that group, out of, you know, a lot of similar sitcom mockumentary type stuff that we, you know, this basically started a revolution for. 
but yeah, the office is always a classic to return to. I've seen it a ton of different times. It was cool to kind of reapproach it through these five episodes, but I'm definitely excited to uh, take a deeper look at uh, the office. I think going forward, we're going to pick maybe instances where it's a show that only one of us has seen, or maybe neither of us has seen, or we bring a guest on and it's a show they like. I'm typically going to focus on shows that have been completed so we can get that last episode. But as somebody who doesn't love to take the time to watch, you know, nine seasons of a TV show when I could watch a bunch of movies, this is an opportunity for me to kind of get a taste of a show. And if I really like it, maybe you stick with it and you, you give it the full watch, or maybe you realize there's a good thing. I only watched five of these. Let's talk theme song, Cody. Obviously the office, I feel like the intro and the theme is iconic, but it's so simple, which I think is what makes it great. Right? Yeah. And um, this is going to be a reoccurring category. I think one of the really cool things about television, just kind of the the format that it has, that is very different from uh, obviously movies, is first off like the theme song. Uh, pretty much every show, uh, you know, currently running, running in the past, has some sort of variation on this. So we will keep, uh, I think, a ranked list and uh, try and keep track of all of these. But yeah, for for uh, the office, I think it's an iconic one. Like you said, it is ridiculously simple. Just one, you know, kind of, it's like an Irishy song. I feel like Irish vibes, which the show obviously gives off taking place in Scranton, Pennsylvania, large Irish community, at least in the show. I, I, I didn't do too much research on, on the actual town. But uh, yeah, I, like I said, this for me is one of the top tier theme songs. It's kind of one of those that I don't think you can ever really get tired of. Um, I'm not going to lie. I usually do skip it now, but I mean, I've probably heard it over like 10,000 times. So I feel like I'm an, I'm an exception, uh, excuse me, I'm an exception to the rule, but uh, you really can't deny its greatness. I think uh, it really has one of the most just catchy tones of all time. And uh, I think it ranks up there with, with one of the best, but we'll, we'll definitely keep tracking and uh, see where it ranks like all time, the, the deeper we get into the series. Another show that I'm sure at some point in doing this, you know, a couple months down the road that we'll cover is It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And yeah. it premiered the same year, 2005. And I almost see the office theme as just the Always Sunny theme, but with a higher production value. And really the beginning of the office theme is really rep- reminiscent of it. If you guys don't know, It's Always Sunny theme is just, they went around fucking Philadelphia and they just shot shitty, you know, old, digital footage of the city, them driving around, they threw stock music underneath it. This is obviously like a written song, particularly for the show, but it opens with just like basically shitty shot stock footage of Scranton, Pennsylvania to kind of set you in the location of this. And then it transitions into like actual workday stuff of them in the office day to day, um, which I think is a fun spin on it. You kind of get to just see them interacting with each other. Um, Something that I've, you know, pointing out as we were watching these, does it feel like, BJ Novak from like very early on is like highly billed as a starring role in the show. That seems kind of weird in hindsight when you look at the trajectory of it. He never felt like a main character, but he is always there. Is that, was that kind of like surprising to you to think about, Cody? Yeah, going back to the pilot, especially there's tons of stuff where like it doesn't completely line up with the whole series. Uh, BJ Novak is one of those things. Him and Mindy Kaling both uh, were pretty much premier writers on the show for around four or five seasons. So I think maybe he just wanted to shoehorn himself in at the beginning <laughs> a little bit. He's also kind of that character in the first couple seasons who's like the new guy. And like he's the, he's kind of like who you put yourself into. Like, oh, if I was a temp in this office, like 
how would I react? Yeah, very much the POV character early on. But I mean, with all these characters, they they take arcs that are very interesting that I'm sure we'll talk about. But uh, his is is the most weird for like a main player, main cast member. True. I mean, he he goes from the temp to the boss, which is a lot of fun. But um, as well, you're talking about that stock footage in the theme song. I don't know if you know this, but that's actual footage filmed by Jim Halpert himself, John Krasinski. When he found out he got the role. <laughs> there you go. I mean, it's very similar to the Sunny thing. I'm pretty sure the actors, yeah. I mean, obviously the, the creators of their show, but they just filmed it themselves. Yeah, that's an awesome yeah. fact. I think it. he was just on a camcorder and he just drove to Scranton with some of his friends and, and got some footage. So for them to put that into like theme song, I think it's really cool and, and original. So obviously this is our first episode. So this has got to take the number one spot, but I yeah. think it will be a, a tough one to topple. So it's setting yeah. the by bar very high, very early for theme song. Um, let's talk about the five episodes we watched. So just hitting them, the pilot, season one, episode one. Then we jump to season five, episode 13, Stress Relief, which is Cody's pick. Funny enough, a lot of these ended up being two-part episodes. So we did watch the whole thing. You could see them as a part one, part two. But Stress Relief is the first one. It's 50 minutes if you watch the whole thing. And then season seven, episode 21, Goodbye, Michael, which is the highest rated episode. Um, technically, I think it's tied or maybe second behind the finale, which we'll get to. And then season eight, episode 19, Get the Girl is the lowest rated episode. No surprise there. And then the finale, of course, we're going to watch season nine, episode 23, also a two-parter. So actually three of those, Goodball Michael, Goodbye Michael, the finale, and Stress Relief, all two-part episodes. So maybe it's more First Friday 8, but you know <laughs> these are the five that we went with. So let's start with the pilot, the very first episode, Cody. Uh, talk about it for me. Yeah, the pilot, I already mentioned it, but it's actually really, really interesting going back and, and re-watching it just because I feel like season one is kind of an anomaly in the show in that it really doesn't line up with, with the rest of the character arcs or pretty much the story-wise. Um, and also the, the first specific episode in season one, the pilot, obviously, it's pretty much just a shot-for-shot -shot remake of the British version of The Office. So they kind of didn't even have any creative ability to kind of try and do their own thing yet. In that first episode um, and as well I, I say that it's not really michael scott in that episode or really at all in season one just because he has pretty much no redeeming qualities uh in that first season that obviously changes and they give him a little bit more of a you know subtler i don't know subtle personality but kind of just a more likable guy and not a complete asshole but yeah that pilot episode i don't know it's it's gotta be like one of the lower ranking episodes for me uh, if we did rank them all and uh yeah it, it's not my favorite but uh what do you think about the pilot we're not reinventing the wheel here this show's been talked about so many different times and clearly the changes to michael scott whether it be his hairline or his personality from season one to season two and therefore uh in moving forward it's been talked about a ton of different times but it is very clear the majority of his jokes are really just like weird sexual harassment and not that that doesn't stick and stay with uh, Michael Scott throughout the series but uh, at least there like you said there's some really redeeming qualities behind the sexual harassment I guess but yeah it's it's just kind of skeezy everyone seems to hate Michael which is another thing it's not even people are either like scared of Michael which in the case of Pam she definitely is like not really vibing with anything he's saying or just people like Jim who thinks he's he's a complete 
uh, joke. There's a lot of cool stuff that gets set up very early on in the pilot, which is always surprising. There's a lot of storylines that they set up and, you know, continue on. Jan is in the first episode, which I think is always a surprising thing. It sets that corporate relationship up very early. Obviously, Ryan is introduced as a temp. So that, you know, relationship between Ryan and Michael continues throughout. Just Michael doing bad impressions and making outdated references. That type of humor definitely sticks in him being kind of an idiot. Pam's art. Uh, Dwight and Jim's back and forth. They're pranking Dwight saying weird shit and confessionals, uh, the assistant to the regional manager bit. And of course, this overlooming fear of, of downsizing and an economic downturn, which this show came out in 2005. Over the next three years and the way our economy is run and people losing their jobs, I think this becomes all the more prescient in society and in the show itself. So a lot of cool ideas set up early. Also, another great thing. The end of the episode kind of has a twist. Oh, Pam Beasley, she's engaged, which then, uh, of course, I mean, that's what this show really becomes about is is Jim and Pam more so than even Michael Scott. Yeah, 100%. And um, I feel like the show in general, it, it's it's kind of about work, but it's more about like these characters and in a way, like how they find love, which is kind of deep, but also it just has like the dumbest humor available. So I think it's a good mix. Um, but as well with, with the, the first season I wanted to mention too, and this episode shows it as well, like the first season, all the endings of the episodes are like a real downer. Like in the pilot, it's like, oh, Michael's an idiot. He had no plan the entire time or, you know, he, he's being an asshole to everybody. And uh, season two, the first episode, it, it's the classic Dundies episode. They kind of have like a feel good ending at the end of that one where they play Billy Joel music over Jim and Pam. So I think like that turned to more of like a comfortable ending opposed to like a really, um, you know, uncomfortable ending, which is 100% this pilot episode. I think that really shows like how much uh, the show changes from season one. And I mean, we're going to jump straight to season five as well with the next pick. So there's a lot of stuff in between. I I think the first episode is really telling of just like how much they really didn't know what they wanted to do yet. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's all about the changes they make from the British to the American version and the ways that they begin to differ from it. Like you said, the pilot is a base. If you watch the UK version of the office pilot, it is basically shot for shot, line for line, very similar. There's obviously some adjustments made, but like, it's basically the same show and the humor in the UK and just kind of their general sentiment sentimentality is a little bit more negative and downer. And like, it's kind of a darker humor. So like, that translation of the, their characters and the Ricky Gervais version of Michael into a U.S. sitcom just doesn't really make sense. And it doesn't really work for what a lot of people want to see, you know, on a weeknight in America watching their, you know, their favorite comedy show. So these changes were necessary and obviously gratefully, gratefully to the benefit of the show. Um, why don't we go ahead and move over to, to season five, Cody? Uh, big jump. Is this the best season of the show? I think maybe so. I, 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 in watching this episode, obviously it's one of the highest, or it's, it's Cody's pick, but it's also one of the highest rated episodes. I think it's like the third highest rated episode of all time with stress relief here, but I think it's just when everything perfectly hits the stride, all the character arcs are reaching the perfect head. You've got Andy before he's too annoying. You've got Michael before he's ready to leave. You've got Jim and Pam right before they get married. So there's still a little bit of like, tension building to that moment 
Stanley, like all the side characters have their own moments in this season, as well as in this individual episode. So maybe it's not the funniest, maybe season three or four is like the funniest season, but I definitely think in terms of just overall quality, I think five might be the peak for me. Yeah, I think I agree with you there. And I was going to say, I, I think just the season three through season five is a hundred percent like the prime of the show, I would say just i mean it all revolves around for me that that jim and pam um you know relationship but i mean for this specific episode just talk about why i picked a little bit more to go uh this is we're getting this is like midway through i think uh season five but i think just all of the character arcs are at a perfect moment to create one of the most iconic episodes the great thing about this episode is it never lets up so go into it much more obviously the the cold open <laughs> is Dwight running this fire drill, as he liked to call it. But um, and then that's just insane commotion. There's so many iconic moments. I mean, Oscar falling out of the ceiling. Uh, Angela throwing like... the cat. I mean, <laughs> yeah. the thing is about this episode is it's got two different scenes that have been clipped and shared on the internet, maybe more than any other office scene. The fire drill cold open and then the CPR scene are both just so iconic. And the fact that they're both in this one, you know, set of two part episodes is incredible. Uh, First, I was afraid I was petrified. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, oh yeah. And Stanley passes out as well, which is funny. But um, that specific scene of CPR training, that is my favorite scene, I think, in the entire series, which is pretty crazy because there's so much good stuff. But yeah, I mean, it, it starts out with just, you know, simple CPR training, which probably happens, you know, in offices all the time. And somehow it leads to <laughs> just a complete group acapella version <laughs> of a classic VG song. If you don't know what I'm talking about, surely you've seen the clip. If you haven't, go watch it super quick. But uh, yeah, it's great. And then it ends with Dwight making <laughs> making a movie reference as well Silence Clarice. Clarice. the little the little uh sound that he makes is, is perfect as well um, <laughs> Clarice. i but, uh, the, the cool thing about that scene and it kind of goes back to what i mentioned of like all the small supporting characters kind of getting to have their moment like that scene is a great example you get kelly jumping up and doing her weird dance like while it's playing you've got stanley with the stress relief stuff Phyllis, you know, trying to help, like every character gets to have a line of dialogue. They get to all mesh together. How would they each handle the CPR class differently? Um, And then it's also fun because you mentioned, you know, now being in a workplace, getting to be around, you know, office members and, and a lot of those things, you know, resonate more so with us. But this, I think, is one that probably resonated even earlier as like we had jobs in colleges where we had to take CPR classes and there's something a little bit ridiculous about the the process and having to go through it and there's something inherently silly and when you take these characters obviously you're going to get some ridiculous moment like this um on top of that you go to part two and we also have the roast which yeah. is incredible that this episode also contains boom roasted they really were were firing on all cylinders for stress relief yeah and i feel like when there are the two-part episodes I feel like they're mostly pretty good. Like, I mean, we're going to cover a couple, couple more of them later. And uh, I feel like for the most part, they are like fairly high rated and respected. But yeah, the, the second half as well is a lot of fun with the roast. Uh, obviously, Michael getting emotional at the end is super funny. And him him feeding the birds is a classic moment as well. But even uh, going back to that CPR scene, I think that's like the best we get of Andy the entire series. 
and obviously he's he's his first episode he's introduced he talks about oh he's in acapella group and his singing is something i think that is maybe one of the most annoying things in the series sometimes but in this scene it fits perfectly and uh, i think it is the peak of his character and also another great scene in the same episode is michael talking to david wallace in the high rise back in new york with dwight <laughs> um just that pure comedy standpoint i think of just four people having a conversation but the character of michael scott is so confused of where he's supposed to be at in the situation i think it's amazing right the blocking the way that scene shot he gets up yeah. he goes to the other side of the room he's he like puts his leg up on the chair and he's like what a city <laughs> and, and then he's like well okay my, dwight here's what we're gonna do <laughs> And then yeah, the best it, part is we get the callback to it because after the CVR scene, they go back and they're doing it again, which is fantastic. It's the it's the double quick cut. And the second cut is even funnier uh, on that time. But yeah, I, I think just these two particular episodes, just comedy wise, it is around the peak of the episode. Just the joke, you know, kind of creativity um, along with it is kind of why I picked it. But um, I, I did go through and, and try and make like my top 10 favorite episode list so if you want i can run through that super quick and, and talk about kind of why we came to stress the leave yeah, yeah 30 seconds here the 10th episode basketball episode great one the ninth one good my goodbye michael which we'll talk about eighth favorite one koi pond i mean just for that scene of him falling to the koi pond number seven severely underrated michael scott paper company great episode number six branch wars just the one line of if you touch a hair on Stanley's head, we will burn you to go to the ground. It's me every time. Number five, Goodbye Toby. I think Michael's best song. Uh, great rendition there. Number four, Niagara. Obviously, Jim and Pam being married. Number three, which um was tough because I really wanted to pick this episode as well, Dinner Party. Again, maybe, maybe the most iconic episode of all time. Uh, but that's classic. And then number two for me is Casino Night back in season two which is one of my personal faves. And then we ended up in stress relief. But you could have gone a lot of different directions here, I think. But um, just the nonstop, I think, comedy in these two episodes is what stands out. Something that you mentioned with that first episode and the way it changes is that, you know, episodes ending on a positive note. And this is another great example of that, where it's like, it's kind of an up and down episode. Michael kind of has, you know, his he's torn down and he gets to build himself back up a little bit. And Stanley, you know, laughs and is sweet to him. Um, but then you've also got that B plot of the Pam's parents divorce that's happening throughout the whole episode. And then you get this sweet Jim and Pam moment at the end where it's like, oh, well, the reason he's officially deciding to go through the divorce is that Jim basically explained that like, you know, Pam is the only woman for him. He's never, you know, even doubted that for a second. Um, and that, you know, if he doesn't feel that way, then he shouldn't be with Pam's mom, obviously. And, you know, they do a great job of, throwing in these really sweet Jim and Pam moments throughout the series to get us through some of the shittier Michael moments at times. And this is a good one of kind of ending on a high note of like, Hey, Jim and Pam are still this positive couple, you know, even if Michael had a bit of a rough episode, <laughs> boom, roasted. I, I love that. That's, that's so great. Also just in, in the other roast when, when Pam says, if it were an iPod, it would be a shuffle. Uh, that's, that's a classic. <laughs> yeah, I agree. The roast has, just so many good one-liners and then obviously michael coming back to, to the office at the end and getting his lick back on everybody is great too the, the stanley line is is probably my favorite 
But uh, yeah, no, back to back episodes. I, I think it doesn't get much better than that. Let's jump over to season seven, episode 21, Goodbye Michael, which is the highest rated of the show for good reason. And it makes sense. This is probably one of the highest viewed episodes of the uh, show of all time, definitely when it was airing. Um, it's Michael Scott, Steve Carell's final episode um, before a brief cameo in, in the finale. Do you think they do a good job with Steve Carell leaving? I think they do. And um, I think the reason that this is uh, the highest rated episode, along with the finale, obviously, is I think it's the most emotional moments that they have um, and kind of just the send off that they have for the for this. I mean, this is the main character of the show. There's, there's no doubting that, I don't think. So to have him leave the show, obviously, it's a pretty big deal. But I think they do a really good job of kind of tying up all the loose ends uh, with his relationships in the show. Um, obviously, it gets really teary at the end. Him and Jim have a really cool conversation, I think, about just like, you know, how good of a boss he was really in the long haul. And then obviously at the end, you know, Pam just barely catching me at the airport. I think that scene is is pretty creative as well, just because they kind of take the audio out of it. Um, obviously in the airport you can't just be walking through metal detectors with with mics and stuff mic packs or whatever at the time but um i think that's just a really cool way to end you know his storyline sort of that you know he is leaving just out of pure happiness uh, with his relationship with holly and um yeah i mean those are the three characters or i guess dwight too but every single like main character i feel like he has just a really good resolution with so I don't, I don't know how they could have done it any better, if I'm being honest. Obviously, with the mockumentary style, early on, they don't really break the fourth wall as much, or they're not really addressing it as much. I think that moment where Michael takes off the mic pack and then Pam runs in is the perfect utilization of like the, the style at, as content or as is for emotional purposes you're you're taking what your your method of making your method of delivery and you're using it in a positive way to tell story to to progress uh character development which i think is really cool they use it later on you know there's the weird like pam and the cameraman relationship thing that obviously isn't in any of these episodes that i think is less successful for this particular moment it's it's a really cool utilization and it's a cool like breaking down that barrier of like oh yeah this is like not just you know, this is like a documentary that they're filming. They don't, they wouldn't have him mic'd up in this instance. Yeah, it is a cool meta moment. I agree. Um, they probably take it a little bit too far as the seasons progress with the madness. But yeah, you're definitely right. It kind of just takes you off guard and you realize these characters are like, it, it makes them feel more real, I feel like. And also just to continue on, like, I don't know, Michael's emotional arc of like, I. it seems like even for the show, like it makes sense that it, it's time to leave. He kind of even has like a freak out moment where he's like, oh, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I can't do this. And then instantly, like when he gets on the phone with Holly, he's like, oh, I just need to hear your voice. Like, I'm on my way soon. So I think like character wise, even though it was Steve Carell just being like, uh, I'm making movies and stuff. I want to move on. Like it, it made sense in, in the terms of the show, too, which I think is really well done. Michael's goodbyes and his gifts, I think, are so great in this because it's the perfect balance of his brand of being both an asshole, but also being endearing. So like a lot of the gifts, like he's kind of being a dick. He's just giving away some of his junk in some of the instances. He at the end grabs like three people at once to do their goodbye. But like, there's a certain like heartwarming nature to the way he goes about it, that it just, you know, is perfect Michael Scott. And it's the perfect send off. 
Um, obviously not the last time we see his character, but extremely important. And the fact that they get that right and then they're still able to make, you know, another two seasons of average TV after that is pretty impressive. Um, Will Ferrell's in this episode, which I think is a bit of a a testament to, you know, how huge the show was at its peak, you know, that you get Will Ferrell to come in and just be a guest star for a couple episodes, Um, pretend like he's going to take over Steve Carell's role. I don't know if anybody legitimately believed that there was like a long-term future there for Farrell, but um, I'm obviously glad there wasn't because I think most of his stuff sucks. And uh, the fact that he kind of just goes off with Andy is maybe a testament to his character because I think Andy starts to suck around this time as well. Yeah, I would say this is absolutely kind of the start of the downfall of the show. I mean, you take out Michael Scott, it's not really The Office. Bringing in Will Ferrell, like you said, for a couple episodes, I think that's a fun move, even though, you know, his character is not the best. D'Angelo Vickers, pretty forgettable role, I think. But I kind of have a soft spot for it. I don't hate his couple episodes just because the next couple seasons are really not great. But yeah, the the whole Andy thing, you know, we'll get to that in this next episode. But for Michael specifically, this was about as good as I think you could do. The last thing I'll say about season seven, episode 21, it does uh, contain the quote that I used for my senior yearbook quote and uh catch you on the flippity flip all right let's move on to uh season eight episode 19 and this is the lowest rated episode and when i went and finally like was going back and watching it and i saw which episode it was like oh yeah this makes perfect fucking sense because it's not the introduction of nelly as a character but it is the introduction of nelly as a main player in the Scranton office, you've got Robert California at Prime, Robert California not doing anything. You've got Andy running off, being annoying, and it really starts his arc of like being extremely annoying. And basically, I think from this episode until maybe a little bit into the final season, like I just really cannot stand a lot of what happens. Um, so it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, obviously, this episode opens with a cold open as well. I think. We mentioned in the stress relief that being one of our favorite ones this cold open i think is one of the weaker ones it's just basically a balloon is like floating down from the sky um in the warehouse it's finally you know and then they're even their reactions just like oh yeah we kind of thought this would be cooler <laughs> um but it's really not that exciting it, you know a bit of a meta commentary that we're going to do a lame cold open but i think for a show that has some of the best cold opens of all time across the board uh, it, it's definitely disappointing to see, you know, in an episode how far we've fallen <laughs> to a certain degree. But uh, uh, what do you think about this episode, Cody? Yeah, I agree with kind of the IMD rating here as well. This is absolutely one of the lowest points in the show. For me, it would probably be between this episode or um, the Gettysburg episode, which is equally terrible. But yeah, I, I think this one really just shows like how much we don't care about Aaron and Andy as well like I think this is kind of supposed to be the new relationship to you know transitioning on obviously Jim and Pam seem solid uh the next season will will question that but in season eight like the main relationship we're supposed to care about is Andy and Aaron and um yeah this episode's god awful so clearly we don't and bouncing off what you said too like Nellie just her character sort of motivations kind of don't make sense and also how she ends up in this sort of power position in the office makes no sense. So they kind of like throw even, you know, sanity out the window. And then when you do that, it just turns into a shit show with Robert California. I mean, he's the lizard king, so that's cool. But I mean, like 
if those are supposedly the main power players in the office and you don't really understand what they're doing or why they're there, kind of it's going to make a terrible show, I think. So, and, yeah, go ahead. And Robert California's like actions don't even really make sense. His character as a whole is so all over the place. I don't think they really ever understood what it was or what they wanted to do with it. But in this episode, especially, he's just like, yeah, I'm just going to roll over and be like, eh, well, Nelly has this power over me and I can't, I'm just going to like, whatever happens, happens. If Andy isn't here, I can't tell her no, which seems not like something Robert California would do from his interactions in other episodes. I mean, he is the lizard king, like you said. Yeah. And in this episode too, it seems he's just like motivated by, I guess, Nelly's sexuality, which is weird because in like, even his, <laughs> um, his original episode where he's doing the interview, he's just coming off as like this, intense guy like jim is super intimidated by him and for him to be this character now where people are kind of just like pushing him over and be like no i'm in charge it kind of doesn't even make sense of of like how we were introduced to him so yeah like i said the lizard king you know <laughs> that's a great line but other than that james spader i'm not too sure what he's really doing in this series yeah i mean obviously it's like a huge get james spader like a popular yeah. tv actor so like they're like, okay, season eight, yeah, we're going to do the joke Will Ferrell thing, but who are we actually going to bring in to replace Steve Carell? James yeah. Spader, interesting choice for a comedy TV show, um, but it's definitely, I'm sure it was, uh, they felt great about it at the network at the time. They were like, fuck yeah, the blacklist, let's get that guy. <laughs> NBC, man. Yeah, true. Keep on that NBC train, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, James Spader, even after this, I feel like it kind of derailed his career a little bit he hasn't i feel like he doesn't do that much anymore but i mean this show certainly didn't help the blacklist obviously ran for a long long time and so he did the blacklist after this i didn't realize that really? this show ended in 20 the office ended in 2013 the blacklist started in 2013 and also is still running is still did you know yeah. that the blacklist is still happening that's insane yeah that is crazy <laughs> i mean i feel like eventually they're gonna run out of stuff kind of like this show did but I don't know, like season eight and season nine, well, at least the, the first half of season nine, I think it's just bad TV. Um, there's really no other way to put it. Season eight is, is probably some of the worst stuff I have seen. So if you haven't seen um, The Office and you're kind of just listening to this, I'd recommend just skipping straight over that and, and going to the back half of season nine. Yeah, the, this was a pretty terrible episode, but it, it was fun to go back and, and kind of just make fun of it. It is interesting because while it is an episode that is so hated and is so bad, it is like a pretty important episode for like moving forward. Like the role that Nellie plays in the office, you kind of need to know like how that happens. You kind of need to understand what's going on with Andy and Aaron up until this point. Like this is a huge moment for their relationship going forward. I also just want to say there's some really fucking bad green screen stuff in this episode where Aaron, yeah. like first confessional that Aaron does in front of the Florida house, she is like Terrible. clearly oh, in front of a green screen, which is so weird because the shot right before that is her in the yard, like throwing a newspaper or picking up a newspaper. But I guess they just didn't have enough time to like film the confessional. So they just did, did like a static shot and then got it late. It's really weird that that's happening in season eight of this show. Maybe it was like a rewrite or a reshoot or something. But yeah, that is <laughs> just visually kind of off the top of the episode. You're like, what is going on? Like, I don't even understand why that would need to be green screen. But yeah, no, it, it's just bad altogether. So I agree. Let's go uh, to a more positive note into the, the series finale. Season nine, uh, 
almost eight years. We finally, uh, Dwight finally gets married, finds love with Angela. The show has aired at this point, and yeah. it's it's an interesting of a one year later thing. Um, to me, this one kind of felt like the weirdest to watch out of context. You know, when you spend all your time watching the show, rewatching it, you get through nine seasons. It's a cool moment to get to the finale when you just watch four episodes and then get to the finale. It's it's a little bit jarring. Yeah. Some of these character arcs. Um, definitely curious to see how that plays out as we continue this series, if it'll always feel that way for finales. I do hate something I hate about this. Why is he got to fire Kevin and then like have this weird, like Kevin redemption arc got to be his best friend. That, that That's just strange. Um, but all in all, I think this is a good finale. I think it wraps up everything. It kind of hits all the major storylines. You get to say goodbye to most of the characters. Michael shows up. I would have appreciated more of an extended cameo beyond just like, I mean, how many lines does he have? Like maybe two, three, like it's, he says, that's what she said. Like it's pretty minimal, the work that he does in this. Yeah. I think maybe he only has one confessional possibly that could be right. I don't know, but it's gotta be less than like 10 minutes of total screen time. I would say, I wish they threw him obviously at Dwight's wedding, but I wish he showed up at the end. Uh, when they're all just hanging out for the last time too i think that would have been fun but yeah for me uh, i pretty much agree too it, it is weird kind of watching it in this order just because i feel like finales and especially this one like lean heavily on nostalgia kind of remembering back to all the different seasons and, and all of your favorite moments and stuff like that but for this whole season too like i said season nine is pretty shaky the last few episodes though the one in front of this one is uh assistant regional manager which is a really fun just throwback jim and dwight episode um, and then like you said it's kind of risky to do a time jump uh for your finale i think it took some stones to do that but it just leaves like i guess more time for these characters to grow a tiny bit more before we say goodbye and obviously like seeing angela and, and uh, dwight's wedding is the high point i think of the finale uh their relationship I mean, other than Jim and Pam, I think is is one of the more complex and, and super interesting ones that we see from the beginning in, in season one and two. Um, and to have that wrapped up finally where they end up together because, I mean, going through like season seven and terrible season eight, it was kind of up in the air if if they would ever end up together. But I think that's the right move kind of, kind of to do that in the end. Then obviously like all Dwight's weird uh, wedding traditions is always going to produce comedy as well. So I, I think it was a pretty great finale. Yeah. You know, it's cool. There's a lot of different relationships. We've talked about that Andy Aaron one. There's obviously Angela, Andy, there's Kelly and Ryan, obviously, which, you know, comes back around, but I think it's really smart that in the final season and in the finale, we end with Dwight and Angela and that's the, the one they focus on. And that's what they give us at the end. I, it would have really sucked if we got some, like like a Kelly or Ryan, like wedding or like even an Aaron, Aaron, Aaron like something dumb, like, or a Nellie and Toby relationship. Uh, oh, it, this episode does bring back some, some sour memories about some bad storylines like that. Obviously, this is an extremely popular show. It was popular when it went off air. It obviously took a dip after Michael Scott. But in this finale, you've got a ton of guest stars. You've got, you know, 
Bill Hader doing an SN or Bill Hader and Seth Meyers doing an SNL cameo, which is pretty cool. Obviously, same network, but still. Um, Dakota yeah. Johnson plays like the new Kevin replacement. Rachel Harris is Angela's sister. Joan Cusack and Ed Bagley is Aaron's parents, just randomly. Um, Malcolm Barrett as the new Stanley that Phyllis is trying to get fat. <laughs> and they even bring back Merritt the Sun, who's been the same actor throughout the series, which is a cool touch as well as the stripper at the, the Bachelorette party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a good touch i think and um kind of just keeping with that continuity of the series i think is cool as well but yeah for the finale i think they did go all out and that show is bringing back um you know michael scott i don't know i assume steve Carell got a, a pretty hefty paycheck to do this because i assume that he didn't really want to and even though he does have like it's basically two scenes of him just showing up and then him dancing with dwight one day I mean, on set so come on yeah, it's still really good content. Like, I really like it. But like you said, I, I just wish kind of there was more. But there are so many just, like, great tiny little moments with all the characters. Well, yeah, Even like, like Kevin in the bar. Well, Oscar gets in the limo and goes, you know, he's like, oh, I don't know. I got to pretend like I was straight. And he gets in the limo and goes, what's up? Which is like a callback to the very first episode. You know, yeah. Michael goes up to Jim and goes, what's up? And, you know, Jim does the what's yeah. up. I, you know, that's like seven years old. And then they kind of just stand there awkwardly, which is another great moment of like, you go up to talk to somebody at the office and then you're like, oh, what do you talk about? How do you walk away from this scenario? Um, but yeah, there's a ton of fun callback stuff like that. Good character moments, like you said. Yeah. And another one of my favorites too is Creed just like randomly living in the storage closet and then coming out at the end and, and playing some music. Cause obviously in real life too, he was, um, he's a member of like a, a band back in the day and he never really got to show off that musical talent. It's kind of just a, a subtle uh, nod to that as well. But yeah, no, this episode, I, I think is it is one of the best in the series. And I think, like you said, I think it is like the highest rated one, um, like of all time. So to finish on such a high note, I, I think is it's pretty tough to do, honestly. And, and I think they achieved it. As someone who's a, a, a film major and has shot some documentaries, quote unquote, um, you if you're edit, trying to edit, you know, an ending together or a montage, like you kind of just have to like take what the people say and put it together. But the nice thing about this and the style is that they're obviously able to write everything. So every confessional gets to be the exact perfect piece of dialogue to create the perfect like montage of everybody saying their one last joke or funny character moment. So the ending is perfect. And obviously it's written to be perfect, which is great. But but yeah, I love the the little montage, the the playback of all the final scenes or the old scenes you see you know, Jim and Pam and their relationship through the years. Uh, it, it's definitely a good way to go out. Yeah, no, I agree. It kind of it has like an epilogue um, at the end of the episode too, where they kind of just go one by one through everybody and, and sort of what did, what, a, you know, what did this documentary, what is your time in the office meant to you? Because pretty much everybody's moving on from this moment. And um, it is heartfelt, kind of like the Goodbye Michael episode too. Like this is a super emotional episode and to like leave you with that, I think the nostalgia really just kicks in at the end. So I think it's pretty brilliantly just structured as well for finale. A lot of TV shows and maybe some, again, some TV shows that we'll discuss on this uh, series in the future for their last season, they decide to do a, a time jump for the whole season, you know, new girl, yeah, I think of right. parks and rec, they jump forward. 
I think it's really smart that they don't do the time jump for the whole season, that they just do it for this last episode. And you mentioned the ending kind of being a good epilogue. This whole episode is almost like an epilogue to the story. It's, you know, it's that fast forward, check in on everybody. The show's already aired. Everybody's live has been put on in blast. And um, yeah. I think it was a really smart way to finish things up. Yeah, and they kind of do the cool meta thing too, where it's like, oh, this is just the bonus episode for the, the DVD. DVD. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So they do it in a fun way too, but yeah, I agree. I think the time jump too early can can kind of just, I don't know, it, it feels just too off to be an entire season sometimes. So, but to do it for one episode, I, I think is a fun idea. So let's uh, move over to our top five. So for this, Cody and I have each pick, basically picked a category to make up a top five for these episodes that we watch for the five episodes. So my top five is my top five sweetest moments in the office episodes what's your top five my top five is the top five bosses at dunder mifflin from these episodes okay there we go there's a lot of good you know it's funny we hit a lot of good ones so so i like that i'll go first so number five is stanley laughing at michael's roast this is obviously during the stress relief episode their relationship throughout the series has been extremely contentious and in this episode it is them head to head right it's michael well, Stanley has a heart attack because of Dwight's fire drill, but then Michael continues to stress Stanley out. And he is, you know, the reason for the title stress relief, right? He at one point wears a heart rate monitor that, you know, shows how stressed he's getting. And as Michael steps away from him, it gets less. And as he gets closer, he becomes more stressed. But finally, after doing, you know, Michael gets roasted and then Michael goes back to roast everybody else. Stanley gets to have his moment where he's laughing, making Michael feel good. It's like they finally made up. Definitely a very sweet moment. Number four, goodbye, Michael. Michael's leaving. He's saying his goodbyes to everyone. There's a lot of great goodbyes, but my number four pick for this is going to be Michael's goodbye to Aaron, particularly because Aaron's talking about, you know, I, I need, you know, a biological mother. I'm, I, you know, I don't know my mom. I never know what to expect. And Michael says to her, well, you don't need a mom because you've got my phone number, which I just think is a really heartful moment. You know, Aaron is a character that has been, is pretty hit or miss for me throughout the show. She'll, you know, never be Pam, obviously at the receptionist desk. Um, but I think this is a really good moment for her and for Michael. Uh, so that's going to come in at number four. Number three is going to be Jim's moment with Pam's dad, his father-in-law. Obviously we don't get to actually see this moment on screen, but Pam gets to relay it to us through you know asking Jim what did he say and you know this is that through line of Jim and Pam being super romantic being a good relationship this shows that Jim truly does love her and cares about her even you know in a hard moment for them when you know divorce is happening around them and loss is happening and it's obviously before their relationship is really tested but it's an extremely sweet moment you know Jim showing how much he loves Pam and you know saying that he always wants to be with her Um, number two is Michael's goodbye to Pam we've talked about it a little bit but of course, the leaving the airport, having no audio is extremely smart. I think it creates the emotion and is it becomes an even more emotional scene when we don't know what's being said. It's, you know, them just embracing. Obviously, she's gone the whole day and Michael's kind of like, you know, I need to say goodbye. Where's Pam? Where's Pam? And finally, as he's about to board the plane and say goodbye, she, you know, runs up and gives him a hug uh, behind the gate, which is really cool. And then finally, of course, at number one, it's got to be Michael as Dwight's best man. Uh, He shows up at the wedding, you know, there's not a lot of scenes, but for a finale to bring back your, your main character who's been gone for so long and have him play such a pivotal role in this huge wedding that you've been building to, 
um, I think that's really great. So those are my uh, top five most heartfelt, sweetest moments in the five episodes of The Office. Yeah, I concur. That's a great list. But yeah, on to my list. So basically, like I said, I'm just going through the top five bosses at Dunder Mifflin for these episodes. Coming in at number five, you mentioned him earlier. I said I got a soft spot for him, so you had to make the list. D'Angelo Vickers, the classic <laughs> with Arrow. Bad you know, I think he's in like two episodes total, and he exits with a brutal basketball injury. So got to give him props for that. Uh, also, in the show, he like got the job because he helped Joe. Like, uh, her dogs like ran away from him, <laughs> and he just grabbed them. Um, and then him later on, like yelling at dogs with Andy in a, in a, in a shelter. It's pretty funny. He's got a cool vibe to him as well. His office, I think, is one of the more unique ones for a boss. So shout out to D'Angelo. Moving on to number four. I'm going to slot in uh, season one Michael Scott here. Uh, really just a complete asshole. Yeah, really no redeeming qualities like I mentioned earlier. But I think just the jokes uh, have to put him ahead of D'Angelo. D'Angelo really doesn't add anything to the office as in people just sucking up to him. And at least Michael Scott, you know, he knows who he is and that's who he's going to be. Also, the receding hairline is iconic and uh, they should have kept it. Uh, coming in at number three, uh, it's basically the same thing, but I'm going to go with Andy slash Nelly uh, <laughs> from the obvious uh, season eight episode. I don't really, uh, you know, care about this season or these characters, so I'm not even going to make a joke about it. Uh, coming in at number two, we have season seven, Michael. I think this is prime Michael. Like I said earlier, really just emotionally, this is probably the best that we'll ever see this character. And maybe at his funniest too. Once you're at that point where he's in like a committed relationship and he really accepts, you know, everything about himself, I guess, all of his flaws, you could say, maybe that's when he's at his funniest. So I, I really like that. And um, coming in at number one, the best boss in Dunder Mifflin history, it's got to be season nine, Dwight. I mean, this man has worked his entire life. He has, you know, put everything in to achieve this one goal and become the best damn branch manager this company's ever seen, other than the time where he fired a, a gun in the office. But we want to talk about well, that. Well, see, you know, that's the interesting thing, not to butt in here, but like he we get to see the like attempts. He's always been yeah. trying for this position. It's another one of those character arcs that we got finally get to see finished, which is really cool. And it's cool that he's finally mature enough and at a point where like he actually is a very good boss and he is the person who should be running Dunder Mifflin. He's basically yeah. brought it back from the brink. You know, they get re, you know, get a bunch of clients that they lost in the past. And yeah, season one or season nine, Dwight is uh, definitely the best manager. Yeah. Like you said, I mean, he's basically saved the company at this point. And um, basically all of his employees love him. I mean, Jim, he's even come around on him and, and pretty much their best buds. So I think manager-wise, uh, especially in these episodes too, like it, it's pretty obvious he, he's got to be at number one. Cody, if they were to bring back The Office or if they were to do a pitch or a new season or uh, a spinoff, what would you want to see out of uh, a new Office property? Yeah, I think this was a little bit difficult. I think other shows may be a bit easier, but this one is kind of the one where it's like the show ran its course and it probably went out a couple more seasons than we needed. Um, and obviously they did try to have a spinoff with Dwight specifically, which I, I kind of like that episode too. I'm kind of a sucker for Dwight's it. farm. Yeah. Dwight's farm. His family's kind of interesting. His cousins are all just complete idiots, which I think is pretty comedy wise. But um, what I'm going to pitch today 
it's kind of an in-between season. Uh, I'm going to call it the office, the summer special. And obviously like the running thing in the, in the show is the camera crew has the summer off. So we do have some missed time pretty much in between seasons sometimes. And the specific summer that I do want to see is in between season two and season three. So obviously the end of season two is when, uh, you know, puts it all on the line for Pam gets rejected, blah, 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 real, real gooey stuff. But um, I kind of want to see like the process of him transferring out. Um, I, I kind of want to see Michael's reaction. I kind of want to see like Dwight celebratory uh, and kind of, you know, Ryan getting promoted into that new role, I think would be very cool to see as well. But kind of just, there's a lot of raw emotion that we didn't get to see there. So I kind of just want to pitch maybe a, a 10 episode mini series. We could even make it now. I mean, nobody's really that old, but it, it would be technically like a, a prequel in betweener uh, of the seasons, if that makes sense. It's been like, 16 years since that <laughs> would have taken place so I, I think people are looking a little older we could do the we could do the de niro de-aging thing there you go there you go yeah. we'll, we'll irish spend the whole thing uh peacock's got the budget for that for sure uh my pitch is i think the character if we were going to follow somebody it would probably make sense to like follow jim after this and doing like an athlete slash i guess athlete is what it gets renamed as <laughs> spinoff where it's like basically the office like a mockumentary but at a sports media company like i'm surprised that hasn't been done like yeah. it maybe like kind of in like the entourage range like world a little but i think yeah sports media and if you're not gonna have jim make it just craig robinson as like your main character in athlete in austin bringing a cast of characters you could have real athletes come in and play themselves at different points like they do with like ryan howard um and different stuff so yeah i, I think that would definitely be a really cool spinoff or in it, it even if you're not doing it in the office universe, like I think doing like a sports media world, I mean, as somebody who works in sports media, I guess it's easy to say that, but I definitely think that would be a cool, you know, they've done it in a store and they've done it at, you know, a parks department and they've, you know, done it at a school. Let's, let's get the sports media one. Uh, just don't make it fucking bar stool. <laughs> That's all I can say. <laughs> fair, fair. But uh, I do like that idea actually. And uh, what they should have done is do that earlier and keep Jim Pam and keep Daryl. Cause I mean, honestly, like in the later seasons, those are probably three of the best characters. In oh, the show. easily. Daryl is so, Daryl yeah. becomes one of the best easily. Daryl is very underrated. We have not talked about him enough, but uh, yeah, I, I like that pitch. I, I would watch that. Yeah. All right, Cody, we've watched five episodes. Obviously we've seen more. Would you recommend watching more than five, less than five, or just stick with these five going forward? <laughs> Yeah, I really liked it. It's kind of like our ranking format at the end. I would recommend to watch more than five episodes. Big surprise. But uh, yeah, more specifically, just to give you a rundown, if you haven't seen The Office and you want to get into it, I'd skip season one other than the basketball episode just because I like basketball. It's I like Diversity it. Day. I'll admit, I'm a, I'm a Diversity Day fan. Mr. Brown, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> also the Kelly Slap I don't know. I feel like that's, that doesn't hold up great either. But um, yeah, season two, amazing. We've already said it too. Season three, season four, season five. I think the, the prime of the show directly there. After that, it's a wash. But um, I would recommend specifically like those three seasons. So I, I'd say obviously like go watch a show. If you I definitely agree. Watch more than five episodes. I, I think you could. I think you should watch season one because I think it's still, there's important stuff that happens that gets set up, um, yeah, but <laughs> you can stop when Michael leaves. There's, 
you know, yeah. obviously it's worth the next two seasons to varying degrees have, you know, some good moments, some bad moments, but if you stopped at goodbye, Michael, you really wouldn't miss out on anything too great. I don't think. Um, so yeah, definitely watch more than five episodes. And uh, I'm sure most people listening to this have, because it's the fucking office. One of the most popular shows of all time. Yeah, true. Well, let us know what a uh, TV show you guys want to do next. And if you want to come be a guest, uh, but we'll see you next month for our next uh, first Friday five. Heck yeah. Stay capping. Peace. Bye. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it.